Welcome to Sonic's Flight, the podcast devoted to all things Sonics. Sonic's Flight is a monthly podcast discussing current events, news, and topics of interest to the Sonics community. We aim to entertain and educate builders and pilots of Sonics aircraft designs, inspiring them to complete and operate their aircraft safely and efficiently. Welcome to the Sonics Flight Podcast. This is episode number 36, Vinyl Wrapping. Traditionally, the choice has always been to paint or to polish, and each of those has their own merits. However, several Sonics are now sporting a third option, and that's vinyl wrapping, including our very own John Gillis and Mike Niedenthal in their airplanes. So John is a professional certified 3M applicator. Did I get that right, John? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I am certified, and I am certifiable. That's right. Anyway, so John's going to tell us all about his experience uh, working on uh, his and Mike's airplanes and just break this topic down for us. My name is Jeff Schultz, builder and pilot of Sonic 604 and Sonic 1374. And once again, joining me as always are my two good flying buddies, Gary Motley and John Gillis. Gary is builder of Hound Dog, an V powered tail dragger Sonics. He's a longtime pilot, a former CFI, and a multi-time airplane builder. Gary, uh, what's going on? What's new with you? Oh, doing much better these days. Uh, as some of you are probably aware, I, I actually got complacent in my home on, on April 1st, slipped in the stairs, and ruptured my quad tendon completely off my kneecap. So that, of course, required surgery, and I've been laid up in the house for the last four and a half weeks. But I finally got mobile today and was able to start driving, so I anticipate returning to work next week. I'm still waiting for more airplane parts to come in and complete my next project, but other than that, things are just limping along one day at a time. So, Gary, uh, not to sound too morbid, but was this your right knee or your left knee? It was my left knee, which was my good leg. So, yeah, it was kind of a double yeah, whammy. Okay. Well, at least you know um, you won't have a problem of not being able to give it enough right rudder. That's always the problem, right? <laughs> Depends on what kind of airplane you're flying. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds to me like Gary uh, might be a, have evened out his rudder capability with having his bad leg getting hurt. No, wait, wait, his good leg getting hurt, which makes his bad leg equal to his good leg. That's right, yeah. Maybe I won't go in circles so much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, when, when you got the skills of Gary, you can just sweet talk the rudder and make it do what you want. <laughs> uh, he doesn't even use the rudder. The plane just goes where he wants. <laughs> got to train him well. Or, uh, Mike, uh, you know, that's what uh, the co-pilot's for, right? That's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. I, I, just, I just do a little bit of light radio work is all I do. <laughs> A little light radio work, that's it. <laughs> All right. Well, also, uh, John Gillis. Uh, everybody knows John. John is best known for his custom touches, including his speed cowl, his tilt-back canopy, and, of course, his vinyl-wrapped finish. So, John, uh, what's going on over there and uh, in the life of luxury in your Air Park home? You know, Air Park home is doing well. Um, I just recently passed my uh, private glider pilot uh, certification, which I've been focused on for the last couple of months. And so now I can fly without thrust, without an instructor. And uh, now I'm going through all the different aircraft, getting checked out in different aircraft, and I'm going to start towing for the club too as a uh, as a tow pilot. Yeah, that'll be fun. I want to do that myself. I, I got to get hooked up on the tow pilot side. Yeah, it sounds, you know, the FAA requirements are pretty liminal or minimal. It's more of the club and insurance issues. They're going to make me go out in a, we have a Pawnee, so it's a single place, so they really can't check you out dual. And uh, I have to do 10 takeoffs and landings for them to prove that I can't break their plane. And then I have to do three toes with a CFI uh, in the glider behind me to prove that I won't kill somebody in the glider behind me. And then I can tow for the club. And then kill as many people as you like. Well, then we can only kill two at a time because we only have two place gliders. So. <laughs> okay. Well, three at a time if it's me, too. Well, there are there are ground bystanders, too, you could work on. Not many around in my neighborhood. So you had to be really unlucky to get hit by one of us. <laughs> All right. Well, and that third voice that you heard is Mike Needenthal. Mike is back again. Uh, Mike's has one of the first two vinyl rap sonics that we're aware of. Uh, was that the was that the first one? 
Yes, was the I was the guinea pig. Okay, yeah, that's right. And I, I I do believe it may be one of the first wrapped airplanes, or at least definitely the first wrapped Sonics. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was uh, I I they I, they said buy the products and I and they would put it on for me, so that's what I did. So. Well, Mike, uh, how's the flying going? It's I got something in last weekend before I left. I got, I went out there and. Uh, Actually, I was I was back there this past weekend, and I actually flew with uh, Carl for about oh geez, like forty five minutes maybe. We chased each other around, had a good old time. I just need to burn off some steam, you know. So I did get a little bit in there, a few landings, landed on the astroturf over at uh, Calhan, and so yeah, I'm getting a little bit in. But it's it's uh, once I get back, I'm coming back uh, the middle of the month for another uh, for the EA meeting, and uh, you know get a little flying in then too. So. How was Carl's plane doing? Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> we were flying it all yeah. the time. He's flying a lot, yeah. Last time I checked, he said he's got like 150 hours on it. He's he's never had a problem. Well, he if he has a problem, he just takes care of it. He doesn't put a, a big deal out of on it, but just he just works on it and makes works through the problem. And uh, lately, I think he's been pretty good shape. We're gonna have to get Carl back on here and just give us an update because uh, everybody is is worried that the turbo is not gonna is not gonna last, and Carl is. Carl's a good data point. He's got a lot of hours on his. I mean, it's. I think it's burning lots of gas. I think he burns about nine gallons an hour. <laughs> but but uh, he talks. Well, he about, does run it balls to the walls. So. He run. He runs it hard. He runs it hard. He's gonna figure so, out. Well, what he that. has to keep up with those Jabiru guys. <laughs> he has to keep up with the speed cal, no less. <laughs> well, and that's that right. Too. <laughs> and even even I can walk away from him, and I don't have a speed cal. You know, so he can, he can climb with me, but but I'll walk away from him if I speed wise. So, yeah, I've noticed that with Carl's too. Is he climbs like crazy, but uh, once we get leveled out into cruise, it's uh, we have to throttle back to uh, to make him not feel so bad. Well, it's my understanding <laughs> he still has a cruise prop on it rather than a, I mean, a, a climb prop rather rather than a cruise prop. He's tried a couple of different props, and I don't know which yeah. one he has on there now. I don't, I couldn't tell you either. I don't know which one. Needs to get one of those Prince props. It'll be all over. We'll never catch him. <laughs> Until he has to stop for gas, because he burns more gas than we do. <laughs> all right. Well, before we jump into the topic, uh, I just wanted to give you guys a, a quick back brief on uh, Sun and Fun. So here's my here's my Sun and Fun 2018 story. Uh, Isaac and I, we left on Tuesday to fly down. We were, our plan was to spend the whole week down at Sun and Fun. Uh, Isaac was presenting his forum talk on Wednesday morning, which, uh, as it turned out is like the very first time slot for forums. That's not a great time to do it because nobody could find the forum building. And it was, it was a little confusing, but anyway, we, uh, we were flying down there. We got stopped by a line of thunderstorms that basically cut off all of Florida from, from the Southeast. We got as far as Tallahassee absolutely could not get through. It was storms from water to water. Just couldn't, couldn't get through it. So knowing that we had to be there bright and early on Wednesday morning, there was no time to wait for the weather to improve the next day and fly in. So we just put the plane in a, in a borrowed tea hanger in, uh, in South Georgia, jumped in a rental car and finished the drive down and, uh, arrived at the campground, the, the entrance to the campground at 8.01 PM. Now, what we didn't know is that they closed the registration at eight o'clock sharp. And when they say eight o'clock sharp, they're not kidding. Because we were there one minute late, and as we walked up to try to go buy our camping credentials and our wristbands, the uh, the sweet old volunteer lady literally pulled the window shade down in front of us and like said, "Oh no, no, we're closed. You got to come back tomorrow." And it's like, "Well, what do we do?" And it's that wasn't her problem. Uh, we could stay and sleep in the parking lot, but she wasn't going to sell us camping admission. So that's what we did. We basically just pulled off in the side in some wet grass, threw up our tents right there in the parking lot. And uh, slept in the parking lot until the next morning, where we could get we could get registered. And that's where the big disappointment was for us, because Sun and Fun apparently has changed their camping policies, where they won't sell you just a couple of days of camping if you are driving it. Now, if you fly in, they'll sell you whatever you want. If you're only there for two days, they'll sell you two days of camping and two wristbands, and that's good. But if you drive in and you want to camp. The only way they'll do it is they will sell you a package deal, which is a full week admission and a full week of camping. And there's no refunds. So we only wanted to be there for two days. 
And basically what they said is, well, you either buy our full week package deal for $355 or you go away. So needless to say, uh, I wasn't really interested in paying 355 bucks for, for two days of camping in the show for Isaac and I. So we didn't camp. We just left our camping gear in the car and we uh, ventured out and found a hotel room and we did it like that. It just was absolutely, there was no wiggle room. They were not interested in working with us whatsoever. And the really frustrating part is that if we had have flown in, we would have gotten a completely different experience. We would have had the greeters come to the plane. They would have welcomed us. They would have taken care of us, probably given us a ride to wherever we needed to go. And instead we got the second class citizen treatment in the parking lot. That was really disappointing. I don't think I will be driving into sun and fun and camping probably ever again. So anyway, uh, after, after getting that disappointment, we were able to at least get in on a daily admission wristband on Wednesday and, uh, hustle over to the forum. Isaac gave a great forum talk on, on his Sonics building project. Uh, that went really well. And then, uh, we spent the rest of the day at the show. It was, uh, weather was good on Wednesday. The vendors were busy and the air show acts were great. Really enjoyed the show. But just that kind of dark cloud hanging over our head with the uh, the debacle with the camping. So after that, we uh, we went and did some other things um, in Florida. Uh, went over to Bush Gardens. Isaac competed on his gymnastics competition and did real well there. Uh, came back on Saturday and did one more day at the show. And um, once again, really good air show. Went to the Sonics booth. Met a few other uh, Sonics builders that were that were there at the show, including uh, Steve Moody from the UK. So he wants to tell us all about the pending UK approvals for aerobatics and some of the other things that they're trying to lessen the, the LAA stance on, on some of Sonic's stuff. So uh, we'll get him back on here in a, in a couple of months and, and uh, catch up with Steve on, on how that's all going. And a pretty good trip. And Sunday, the plan was to depart Sunday early. We had to drive back up and get the plane in, in South Georgia. Uh, we got there, and once again, another line of thunderstorms sitting right over the airport. Couldn't get out, so we ended up staying another day in a hotel just waiting on better weather. The following day, Monday morning, um, the weather had cleared, uh, no problems, jumped in the plane, and we had just horrendous headwinds coming home. And down low, it was uh, it was not as bad if we were probably maybe 2,500 feet or lower. We were only facing about 30, 35 miles an hour of headwind. Uh, but it was super bumpy. I mean, just rolling back and forth and pitch excursions, you know, just just crazy bumpy. So couldn't do that for very long. Going up to about 4,500 feet, the the turbulence would smooth out, and it was a halfway decent ride. Not smooth, but halfway decent. But at 4,500 feet, it was about 55 miles an hour of headwind. And if we went up to about 7,000 feet where it just got glassy smooth, it was 75 miles an hour of headwind. So pretty demoralizing seeing, uh, you know, 70 to 80 miles an hour ground speed coming back. And uh, so we went as low as we could stand and, and managed to eke out about 95 or 100 miles an hour ground speed the whole way home. And it took forever. So anyway, it was a, it was a good trip. Uh, it did definitely had its challenges and a, and a few disappointments. But um, overall, uh, we did have a good time. So there you go, guys. That's what you missed at Sun and Fun. Well... I actually still wish I could have made it compared to what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, um, your misadventure definitely was, yeah, not the way to go. Yeah, no. but anyway, at least you got to go, so that's good. You got it in your books. Yeah, yep. All righty. Well, John, uh, I think you're on the driver's seat on uh, on the vinyl wrapping topic. Um, so I'll just I'll throw this out, and you can kind of just get us going. Um Maybe what you can do is start off with make the case for why someone might consider vinyl wrapping as opposed to paint or polish, and then we'll kind of get into the planning and the application and all that. And then uh, we'll just see where it goes from there. Okay. Well, a couple of years ago, um, about four years ago, we started uh, researching alternate methods of coating the plane. I had already painted my plane, and I wasn't real satisfied with the finish of it. And um, a friend of mine and I started deciding, okay, what, what are these things that are coming out, this, this wrapping? Because we've been hearing about vehicle wrapping and what is this? And we uh, did a little more research and found out, oh, well, they're talking about possibly even replacing uh, 
the coating of cars with uh, this wrap, this this color uh, application uh, of of a vinyl that um, seals the the metal, so it doesn't you know uh, it, it seals it like paint, but it allows um, a consistent application of a color and a finish that you can't get, you know, with a normal, uh, especially a home applied job. So what we did, <clears throat> we uh, decided, okay, well, if we're going to look at this, maybe there's an application towards experimental aircraft that we could start wrapping uh, or, or applying this vinyl to airplanes instead of paint. And we uh, looked into it and we said, well, if we're going to look at this, let's do it right. Let's go investigate what it takes to become a certified uh, wrapper. And 3M seems to be the, the primary or the, the, the gold standard for, for vinyl wrapping for industry. So if you go look at a, at a vehicle that's been, you know, a professionally wrapped vehicle, that has a giant, you know, a uh, design on it. You know, they've uh, especially like, you know, plumbers, electricians, things like that. They've wrapped vehicles, and then we found out that actually semi trucks and all these uh, uh, industrial wrappings of, you know, Budweiser trucks and things. That's actually a wrap. And so we said, okay, that that's kind of interesting. So what is this? Um, we uh, found that. There are uh, to apply that wrapping. You have to become certified, a 3M certified installer. And we found a company in Hutchinson, Kansas, the closest to us, that is a 3M certified uh, training center on how to apply the wrap. So we decided, okay, we're going to spend the, you know, I think it was 500 bucks for a three-day class on how to apply wrap. And drove out to Hutchinson, Kansas in the middle of January and learned how to wrap a, a, one of those, um, what is it, the uh, HR, HHR Chevys, which is really round. It looks like a little uh, midget hearse kind of right. thing. Um, very round. And that's why they chose that, because it really challenges you on, on how to wrap a vehicle. In a, and it was basically a Pepsi can. Uh, design. And so we spent the week learn or the weekend learning how to apply this material the right the 3M way. We came out from it learning a lot of the techniques and the the where you the gotchas and the limitations of the material and decided hey this could actually work for airplanes because it's pretty cool stuff and it does really work well. Uh, we also learned that they, you can get any color basically you want, um, or if you don't like the colors they like or you want a design, you can have it printed, and then we can wrap that. So we came back home, and we decided, okay, this is going to be a business. We know we can sell this to thousands and thousands of, of uh, home builders that need to have their airplanes wrapped because you can't really do it to a certified plane because it'd have to be uh, – uh, the, the the certification requirements to get it uh, qualified for a, like a Cessna 150, a little bit beyond what we wanted to do. Um, we were a little ambitious on that and, and decided, okay, well, we're going to do this with, uh, with experimentals and we're going to have a line of people that are going to want us to wrap their airplanes. So we called Mike up, who was just <laughs> finishing up his airplane. We said, Mike, this is a really good idea. And we are going to do and such I fell a, for it. <laughs> we're going to do you such a good deal that we're going to say, if you just buy the material, we'll wrap it for you. We'll wrap your airplane. So Mike became our first customer. And we wrapped his plane. And we learned a lot wrapping his plane. So much so that when I decided to wrap my plane uh, over my paint that I already had that it, I didn't destroy nearly as much material as I did with Mike's. Yeah. I had to, I had to pay a little extra. 
Yeah, we, we forced Mike to say, hey, you know what? That first wing, that did not come out well, Mike. You're going to want to buy more material for this. <laughs> That's right. And I did. What about the difference in the vinyls? I hear there's different terms, such as a cast vinyl versus a, a calendared vinyl. Can you explain any of that? Yeah, I can. Um, all of the good wrapping material is cast and calendared, from what I can tell, is laid down differently. The cast is coming out of a vat, and it, it's in the process of manufacturing on how it's rolled onto the the vinyl, and then it, it's it's a printing term on how the the material is is uh, laid down on the vinyl. I understand there's some elasticity difference between the two as well. Yeah, the uh, cast is the the definite way you want to go. The calendared is the cheaper. Um, it's more for like semi. Uh, they can. It, it's flat economy. Sided. Yeah, flat sided. They're not trying to to form it around any kind of a shape. It's going on a flat surface. Okay, and then if they have something printed, don't they also have to worry about getting the printed laminated as well? Okay, in the, in the case of a printed. And, and both Mike and I have printed vinyl on our, our airplanes, our checkerboard uh, tails and uh, control surfaces that we've done. Uh, we had those printed. They're printed on a cast substrate with an inkjet printer, with a large uh, industrial inkjet printer. And then they're over laminated with the same 3M uh, over laminate so that it has the same protection on the outer surface. And it has the same the stretching capability. To protect the inks. It, it protects the inks from both UV and also for any you know abrasion, scratching, and it, it gives you the uh, same clean surface. Yeah. And it's not cheap. Um, I mean, it's, it's like $5 a square or a, a linear yard. Versus the others is like a dollar linear yard. And John, when you're talking about printing, um, how who does the artwork? Do you send them a file with it, or do you hire a designer to do the artwork? How's that work? Uh, both ways. In our case, uh, with with our printed stuff, with just the checkerboard um, tail sections, I, it's very simple for me to go into Adobe Illustrator and create a two by two checkerboard pattern. I mailed that to the uh, the printer, um, my supplier, and he was able to print it. The problem with Mike's was he had we tried to match his. Um, he had a very metallic green, beautiful actually, a really beautiful green metallic uh, vinyl that he had chosen. Um, we couldn't match the inkjet to get that same green color on the computer. And so when we got it back from him, it was a little off. And so I've always promised Mike that we should redo that, but it, that hasn't come together. It's kind of grown on me, actually. But I uh, think it looks good from you know twenty yards away on a man yeah. riding on a horse. But I guess you know if, if the opportunity came, we'd probably do it again. You know, tear, take it off and do it again. I guess so. So if you had something more elaborate in mind, um, how would you find an artist to to kind of create that for you what would you do well any kind of artist nowadays is a digital artist and so what the um the printing shop will do is they just say give us give us some sort of a digital format that in your art form and they will uh they'll take that and you give them the dimensions that you want it to be that you want them to blow the art up to and so if it's like a three by 18 foot design they'll scale that up so your your typical artist uh, say you have a, a you know a child that's a very good artist you take that have it sent to a person that can digitize it and then they can blow that further up um then that gets sent to the printer they will you know do the voodoo they do and do the printing of the vinyl on top of that. Okay, so you don't have to necessarily know the, the that side of it. You just provide them artwork and they'll take it from there. Yeah, we're not trying to be the artists. We're not trying to be the, the creative people. It's like, okay, you want Mickey Mouse on the side of your airplane? Okay, here's 
you know, give us the picture of Mickey Mouse you want. And, uh, you know, we're not responsible for the copyright issues of them. They print it out. They overlaminate it on the, the wrapping material. And then they roll it up, you know, ship it to you. And then you apply it just like a decal. Mm -hmm. But with, it, it has different characteristics than a decal. Yeah. Well, what about the application of what, what was really required for prep work, uh, boothing, you know, like a paint booth for, for sterility or, or control of dust and all that kind of stuff? The, um, the thing we found is that if you just keep, you can't leave like, if you're doing this in an airplane hangar, what you have to do is uh, obviously keep the door closed because you don't want dust and dirt and hair and stuff coming in. Um, the prep work, uh, in Mike's case, we did it on raw aluminum. So it was real simple. All we did was we wiped it down really good with isopropyl alcohol to take all the grease and the oils off of the surface. Then um, before you apply, you, you wash your hands in isopropyl alcohol. And when you start applying the material, as long as you don't have air moving around, you don't have dust flying down, the material applies directly to the metal uh, with, with just the clean surface. You don't have to prep it. And um, as you lay it out, it, you won't have any impressions of dirt or objects underneath. This is different than paint where you'd really want a sterile or a negative environment where it's pulling the dust and stuff out. Uh, you don't have to be nearly as, uh, as, as sterile as paint. And John, the, the vinyl, before you do anything to it, it's not sticky back. It just sort of lays on the metal. It's, it's actually, it's interesting. It's almost like a two stage adhesive. The, um, the vinyl has, initially when you pull the, the backing, uh, paper off the craft paper, the material is sticky, but it's not super sticky. It's got like, it's got long, long tentacles of, uh, of adhesive. And so you start tacking it along in large surface. So in, in the case of a wing, uh, you're, say you're doing the top of the wing, you would start pulling the backing off and you would tack it in various, uh, areas as you're, you're pulling the backing off and you're laying the material on, onto the wing. This, you can then pick back up and reposition and try to get the wrinkles and things off um, of the, you know, where, where you didn't get it placed properly. And so you get it really close to where it's wrinkle free, but it's not really laid down on the material, but it is sticking to it. Then when you put your um, squeegee down onto the vinyl, it breaks that first layer of adhesive down and engages the second layer of adhesive. That second layer is fairly strong. And so once you start laying that down, it's going to be tough to pull back up. And so that's where uh, experience and uh, patience comes along on how you can lay down a large piece of vinyl without getting seams and crinkles and bubbles and things. And so you start laying down that. And then the third stage is once it's all set and you're happy with it, then you heat set it with a heat gun. And that activates the glue in the vinyl to really uh, pull down on the material. And, and, and attached to the substrate, so the aluminum. And at that point, you're pretty much, if you want to remove it, you're going to destroy it. But it's, it, you can remove it. It's just going to take a razor blade, and you're going to be pulling it up and redoing it. Hence Mike's first wing. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, and I think this is important to kind of go through the detail because I think people might think that it's like a, it's like a sticker decal where – once it touches the surface, that's it. It, it. You can't move it at that point, and it's not really like that. You can kind of massage it and get it before you really stick it down good. That's what we learned in the class was how the different stages of the application occurs. And if, if, if someone's listening to this and says, hey, I think I'm going to try this, I say go for it. 
go buy yourself a couple of yards of this material completely to, in the in the attitude that I'm not going to this is not permanent and learn how to work the material so the first stage is tacking the second stage is setting and readjusting the material and then the next stage is to set it with pressure and the last stage is to uh, apply the heat and at that point all the bubbles you know how you you always worry about all these bubbles and wrinkles with um, you know putting a decal on something this vinyl material is so easy to work with that you can pop that bubble with just a pin um, and and work that bubble out once you learn how to work it and it'll become not an issue and that's how the professionals do it. They basically do it in that in that stage. They tack, set, or tack, adjust, set, heat set, and then finalize. And at that point, you have a perfect surface that has no wrinkles, no bubbles, and it is completely set into the material. Then the last stage, with especially with the Sonics, with the um, external rivets, not the the recessed rivets are easy to work with, yeah. but it's those proud rivets. And this is where we, we learned with Mike's. We rolled his plane out into the sun, and we let it sit there for about 15, 20 minutes. And we were sitting there with a heat gauge watching the temperature come up. And it was getting up to about 150 degrees in the sun. And suddenly, we could set that vinyl down on every rivet with just our thumbprint. And those fancy $50 rivet setting uh, tools we had became useless. We just sat there and pushed our thumb down on every rivet. And that vinyl just sucked right down into it. And it just, it, it's been there ever since, right, Mike? Yep. Yep. It's, it's never, what just sat out in the sun. It seemed to be, uh, worked work like a charm. Although well, every time you, we pull our planes out and, and put them in the sun, it, yep. it makes the vinyl just sit even. It, it tightens it all up. Right. But then you remember we had to warm the hangar up also before you even, cause we did, we started in like the spring, wasn't it? Wasn't yeah. Like we started spring? a little early. So, so we had to, temperatures, the hangar had to be up to 60 or 65 or something like that. The surface. Well, in, in the, the 3M documentation, it says don't apply under 72 degrees. Yeah. So, and I've applied it up in the nineties and it's, it's harder to actually do apply about 70 degrees is perfect. And if you have it in a hangar at 70 or so degrees, you can do a lot of work and then do your final work out in the sun where it gets up to about 150 on the surface. And it'll, it works really easy and sucks right down and it'll never come back up. It, when I say it won't come back up, it'll come back up with a little, with a heat gun and a little bit of coaxing and you can pull it back off. So, John, these rolls that you're buying, what what are the dimensions on it? Because you're going to have to do it in multiple segments on a, something like a wing, right? Yeah. Um, the, the, the typical uh, roll is 60 inches wide and way longer. I mean, you can order up to, uh, I think, 75 yards in a roll. So that's way longer than any wing. So on my wing and on Mike's wing, we started from the front edge of the flap basically front edge of the control surfaces and wrapped around the um, leading edge all the way to the spar on the bottom edge. So that's one piece of vinyl all the way around. Then we cut it there and we splice in a second piece on the bottom between the spar and the control surface. So it's two pieces to do a, a wing. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's so it's one continuous stripe from the the fuselage all the way to the wingtip, but it meets the second stripe on the bottom of the wing from the spar to the trailing edge. Yes, right at the seam where the where the aluminum overlaps the spar. Right. Now on Mike's, because Mike was cheap and he didn't want to pay for more, <laughs> we did the one wrap from. <clears throat> The top at the uh, the flap or the the control edge around the front of the the leading edge to that point, and the fact that Mike chose a 
silver um, metal flake. Rack. It's like a gunner gunner metal, I think, is what it's, it's called. gun metal. I think is what it's yeah. called. Gunner metal. Yeah. Um, we cut it there. We never did the second section between the spar and the control flap, and you can't tell unless you crawl under his plane and look at it. You go, oh, that's just bare aluminum underneath there. So Mike gained a little bit of weight and uh, maintenance, but on my plane, since I'm all yellow, I went all the way around, and then I put that splice in at the uh, the last section, which is about two feet um, to the wingtip on the bottom. And then I we wrapped both mics and mine, the control surfaces. And you pulled those off the wing, correct? So you pulled the hinge pins, you wrapped the control surface all separately, and then put it back no. on? No, no, we didn't. No. We, we wrapped it. Right on place. the wing, okay. Right on the wing. And we cut it right at the hinge. So if you look at Mike's plane, if you're ever at Oshkosh or one of the fly-ins, you'll see his uh, hinge uh, is unpainted and just raw aluminum. But he has the gunmetal on the top of both the control surface and the wing with, you know, the gap, uh, the, the hinge. And then on the bottom, we put the printed... Uh, he wanted checkerboard on the control surfaces. Okay. Would it be easier if you had the ailerons off to do them separately, or is it, is it easier to have them on the wing and do them? I think it's easier to have them on because it holds it. Okay. You know, so we just put it on. In my case, I have mine wrapped in a consistent color, but it is two separate wraps to go all the way around mm-hmm. on the control surfaces. So it sounds like um, this is not something that is hard to do when the plane is completely assembled and flying. It's uh, unlike painting where it can be really challenging to get it painted when it's all together. No, no, it, it definitely can. And actually, I think it's easier um, when the plane is fully assembled. Um, you know, any of the the things we had to pull out was uh, Mike had, and I'm, both Mike and I have um, – a gap seal, that RV uh, gap seal between the wing and the fuselage, that has to come off so that we can wrap under all the way to the edge and then put the gap seal back on, that that rubber gasket Mm -hmm. material. Right. Um, One of the things I wanted to say, though, the material is, people think of a shrink wrap, it is actually stretch wrap, if you look at it that way. when you get to a compound edge, I mean, wings are easy because they're really flat. Fuselages are pretty easy, uh, especially the Sonics, which is the flat slabbed uh, fuselage and, and tail sections and things. Um, those wrap really easily. The cowling is a real challenge on a Sonics, and it would be a real challenge on any aircraft, an RV or anything, or the wing tip or the, the tail tips. Wheel pants. Tail. Also, yeah. wheel pants. Also, wheel pants. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> wheel pants, yeah, spinners. Um, real challenge. Um, wrappers have almost a, uh, uh, a, a challenge on the internet of how much they can wrap, how how compound they can wrap, and airplanes are way more than what they even try on cars, but the. Um, uh, what we found is the best way to wrap things that are really round and compound is to do it in strips. Um, I finally found after wrapping my wheel pants three or four times that if I do it in three or four strips, the results are a heck of a lot better. Uh, Mike, you've seen that too, haven't you? Uh, I just I went away there for a second. Say that again. <laughs> Yeah, well, the the wheel pants. I mean, we've yes. tried several ways. the The problem with the the really rounded surfaces is as you try to stretch that material around a large compound surface, it'll you tear. have problems with bunch or tearing for one thing. Yeah. If you're not careful, but it it thins the material out um, on the outside of the. Uh, curve and it bunches it on the inside of the curve and the problem is as you stretch it you're reducing the amount of of adhesive of the material and you're stretching the paint 
or the color of the material as it goes around the extreme edge of it. And so what we found is if you just kind of say, okay, I can't do this like a painted job where I have a nice, you know, uh, uh, consistent color all the way around the corners, I just bite the bullet and do it in strips. You can get that kind of a, a look. Now, up close, it looks like it's been stripped or striped. The, uh, far away, though, it looks fine because the colors blend. So that's one of the negative things about wrapping versus painting. And do those stripes, do they overlap each other or do you have to get them matched perfectly? Well, there are techniques to match them perfectly. But as Mike and I have, have found, as we Mike's, Mike's wheel pants have been wrapped at least twice. Mine have been wrapped three or four times. And yours looks, um, yours looks a lot better. Mine, you, I, I finally learned. found the right me- method. Yeah. Um, right. We've tried to do the butt splice of the, the stripes where they actually butt against each other. And there's a technique to do that. It's a wallpapering technique, by the way. But the problem is, as the material ages and, and heats and, and sets, it, uh, it moves. And so that, that uh, butt slice will move away. And pretty soon, it'll start lifting away from the substrate. And pretty, it looks, looks pretty gross. So what I have done is gone, come with a, uh, about a quarter-inch overlap now. And that allows it to move but stay adhered to its, its substrate. And it doesn't lift. And so it looks good from, you know, three, three to four feet away. If you get right up to it, it's like, okay, well, there's a seam here. And I can see that. So it's not ideal for a painted surface, but it looks good from a distance. Right. And it matches the rest of your wrapping. Right. So would you say this is a one, two, three, or four-man job to do an airplane? Uh, two-man job. It's, two, it, it's, it's no more than a two-man job to do an airplane. Um, the, and the primary reason it needs to be a two-man job is, in the case of a wing, if you have one man holding the tack end as the other man is, or woman, whatever, I don't want to be sexist, um, one person is holding the tack end, which is the, the where you start, and the other one is pulling the material, the backing off the material, and laying it, um, it's a two-man job. After that, it's a one-man job to, or a two or a 15-man job to go in and, <laughs> and get it laid down, you know, rubbed down and, and set. But it's really just one person knows what they're doing, the other person just doing what they're told. So, John, you talked about um, after the material starts to age and lift a little bit, how well does it age if you overlap the seams and you kind of dress things up properly how well does it age how does it hold up well in in, in my case I, my plane's been wrapped for over three years i'm having a little bit of a lifting issue where i was not paying attention to a lot of the uh the prep of the of the base or i i laid it on top of paint that is lifting so that is lifting um but other than that it is dead solid it when I get tired of what color my airplane is, I'll just pull that wrap off and, and wrap it in a different color. So it is holding up extremely well. Mike, you can respond yeah. on your plane. Well, it just, I think it's just the edges. You know how you guys did the, I mean, the part of the problem is, is that my wings were already built. So it doesn't have the refined, like the rounded edges on like all the, uh, like the wing tips and so forth. So I think that, uh, I think that's that's it doesn't it doesn't do well across like sharp edges. Let's put it that way. So it it kind of wants to curl up and peel up just just at the ends. But the, and, and the, the bulk of it is like solid. It's it's we learned we learned also Mike's is the first plane, so we learned a lot about there are treatments you can do to the edges to uh, to help hold those down. Um, we did a lot of that with Mike's, but I think we could have done better. And then there's sealing uh, tape that you can put on top of it, which we never did on Mike's. Yeah. I didn't do it on mine either. I mean, but basically, the you know, they say 
what what's what's the life expectancy? Is it was it like six they, to eight years or eight to ten years or something like that? Um, 3M warranties the material for ten years. I mean, um, I can't John, even tell. I can't even tell there's anything. John, I've heard some of those warranties actually differ as to whether it's applied in a vertical or a horizontal fashion. Have you? Yeah, I, I haven't heard that difference on the 3M. The 3M I thought was just a ten year warranty on UV and exposure. I'll tell you, though, with our airplanes, especially since we hangar them, um, there is no deterioration at all. I have washed my plane literally twice since I put this on, and it looks clean except for bugs on the leading edge. Yeah, same here. It's shiny. It's very abrasive. Um, I really don't have a – I'm a little sloppy with it. I'll, if I'm doing my annual, I'll put a tool on my wing you know, as I'm working on the wheel and don't think a second thing of it because I'm going to scratch the surface because it won't scratch. And you have to really get after it to scratch it. Yeah, that's good. You're not worried about chipping the paint at an edge or something like that. It's so durable. Well, it, it I, I will bring this up. It is very durable. It's rubbery almost. Um, but things like around the cowl, especially uh, around where you would uh, take the cowl on and off and it might rub the propeller. That is where I'm having abrasion and it rips the vinyl. So I don't know the right solution for that, except for just patching it, which is what I've been doing. But, you know, I pull my cowl off. You guys all pull your cowl off and you might rub against the prop. It, it, it will work on the, the vinyl because you got a sharp edge kind of rubbing against it. Well, I have a Prince prop, so it's a very sharp edge. I don't know how you Sensenich guys do with those really soft, round props. <laughs> John, what what kind of tools are you using to, to apply this stuff? We, you've talked about a couple of them, but just give us a quick rundown on, is this a, a complex tool assortment? or? No, it's um, basically the, the primary tool is a... Uh, you know, you'll get it from the same uh, supplier that supplies you the vinyl. Um, it's a plastic uh, squeegee that is uh, fairly rigid. Um, it's designed for this material, so it won't scratch it. Um, but it's it's a it's basically just a, a squeegee paddle is the primary tool. The other primary tool is a a uh, heat gun or a uh, instant on propane torch. And that takes a little bit of skill to learn, especially with the propane torch, how much you can heat the material without burning it or causing it to uh, deform. And so that's one of the skills you learn as you just work with the material is how much can I put you know, how far do I have to hold the flame from and how long do I hold it to the material to get it to do what I want it to do? Um, the other tools is a pinprick tool. Um, we, when we went to the, the training class, they sold us a $100 kit that included the propane torch, a couple of squeegees, a couple of brushes and felt things that we've never used. And a little pinprick kind of a pen um, that was, uh, it's kind of cool. It's like a little switchblade. You can push the button and the, the pin comes out and you push it again, it comes back, it retracts into this pen. That is actually a really cool tool because as I'm working down and taking bubbles out, I can just quick pop it and then squeegee it out and then work on the next bubble. So those are the really tools that you all you need. Um, obviously, you have squirt bottles full of isopropyl alcohol to clean and to, uh, to to prep surfaces and prep your hands and prep and and you know basically you know make the, the area clean. And then um, other than that, that's about it. I have it all in a little ditty bag that I pull out when I want to do some vinyl work. And what's that little tape that you put on that like has a filament in it to cut? What's that stuff? Mm. Cut tape. That's our little secret. Um, mm. Cut tape was something we learned about 
there. They have, um, it's a piece of uh, fairly weak adhesive tape with a filament of uh, thread inside the tape. And the idea is if you're trying to do a design where you want to cut the vinyl um, to a design, you don't put a knife to the material you're cutting. You put this tape down and it's kind of like a pinstripe tape that you would do if you were going to do a paint job. Um, you lay the paint, this, this uh, cut tape down in the same fashion on the material. You then lay the vinyl over that tape, set it, and then pull the thread up from this tape, and it cuts the vinyl from underneath it to cut the vinyl, and then you weed out that the tape that it was, it was it's kind of a weak tape, so you just kind of pull that out from underneath the vinyl and lay it down. That's how you do butt joints. That's how you do um, intricate designs in the vinyl. Um, and we're not talking about printed vinyl, or you could do it with printable vinyl, but you really wouldn't. But if you had two solid colors that you wanted to do a, a swoop or something on the, on the aircraft, that's how you would do it. And uh, so it, it's kind of cool because you never put a knife to the aluminum that you're cutting because you're cutting the vinyl from underneath. If you ever, if you guys ever see Miner or Mike, Mike's uh, canopies, both of those were done with that cut tape. Um, we put the vinyl on the canopy. Well, we put the cut tape down to make it look like uh, a thicker uh, strip of color on the canopy, and then we vinyled over it on the Lexan, and then cut the pulled the cut tape out from underneath it. And so the knife never touched our, uh, our canopy, but we have a really clean uh, canopy line of vinyl around their well, canopies. Kind of, it kind of looks like Jeff's. Yeah, it, kind of looks, it looks like Jeff's with a hell of a lot less work. Right, yeah, right. and it, it right. looks really good. It's a great way to soften the edges and all that and, and nowhere near the work of trying to fit aluminum strips. Yeah, we don't do the aluminum strips. We just did the vinyl. So that's how cut tape works. Yeah, that's cool stuff. <laughs> um, there's You guys can get on YouTube and look at all the different – if you're really interested in vinyl wrapping, there's a tremendous amount of stuff on YouTube on how to do different techniques. And if anybody wants to do it, I would just say go buy yourself a couple of yards of, of wrap. Um, Mike liked uh, a particular product from Avery. There's different vendors – uh, we found that Avery wrap was subs was not as good as 3M. 3M. I did right. my entire plane as 3M, and it's much easier to work with. And can anybody buy from 3M, or do you have to be certified? No, you don't have to be certified. Um, you you can find you can find it on eBay or uh, not on eBay. Well, you can actually find it on eBay. Uh, Amazon has it. Um, I found a retailer called uh, Metro Restyling, which sells to guys who wrap cars. Um, they are the best. They they're, they're, they were the best I could find, the best prices. And they also gave me a, uh, a, a dealer a discount. Um, and you could probably get a dealer discount just saying I wrap airplanes for a living. And you guys can just, you know, they were pretty easy about that. Uh, but they have all the 3M, the Avery, and the Denison uh, brands, and they they're the experts. And also those those are the guys that I sent the uh, the graphic files to, and they printed mics in my checkerboards and sent them to me. So it's MetroRestyling.com. Okay, they're out of Detroit. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Yeah. So if you're um, if you're talking about like budget, what, what do you what do you think you ought to plan to spend to do a Sonics? If you're going to do it yourself, I would expect to spend, I would say probably a thousand dollars because the first two hundred dollars you're going to throw away as you learn how to do it. Um, but then as you get better at it, you're more confident. 
uh, probably 500 in the material to wrap an entire Sonics and then maybe, you know, a little more for the, for the uh, tools that you may or may not have. So you could wrap an entire Sonics for under a thousand bucks. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. You're not going to buy 3M paint for a thousand bucks. I mean, a uh, PPG paint or something decent. You're not going to pay that. You know? And it's just like paint. I mean, you're going to still throw away a shit ton of paint to, uh, to learn how to do it. If you don't know, the other thing you can do is is go to a wrap shop. There are every city has professional wrappers who are 3M certified, who went through the same training I went through that know how to wrap, and so you don't have a learning curve. And several Sonics drivers have uh, have done that with good results. So I don't, you know, I, I say go that way if you don't want to try to do it yourself. We're talking about the do do it yourselfers here. Or, um, you know, if you just really want to have expert coaching, uh, you know, <laughs> John is always available for consulting. I, I live in an air park. I'll take your airplane in and we can do it in a weekend. I well, just that was want your, steaks that, and beers. That was your original plan, John, wasn't it? You, yeah, you, that was kind you guys of talked about You guys talked about traveling around and going to run either having a clinic or... <laughs> or uh, yeah, that, that was, was my your, partner who was... He was a dreamer. I didn't really <laughs> want to go around, but uh, if you want to fly your airplane in, we'll we'll help you. Or I'll, I'll, you know, I could buy the material for you. I have a, I have a commercial account with this company, and, um, you know, like Mike says, uh, you know, anytime, uh, you know, he'll help too because he was there the whole time. He learned. I was there. That's right. <laughs> Writing I checks. Watched, I watched the process. <laughs> You know, I think I spent you, I spent probably about eight or nine hundred bucks, I think, for everything, yeah. and just just about you're probably about right on, spot on for the price. Yeah, I I, I would recommend it if you ha- if you're thinking about it. Um, the other real benefit to it is it can be removed fairly easily, unlike paint. All it takes is a little perseverance. The longer it's been on, uh, if we t- try to take mics off now, it would probably take longer to take it off than to reapply yeah. a new cut layer. But it would come off, and without hurting the substrate. Yeah, well, that's that's good stuff. Um, otherwise, you know, you're you're going to be spraying it down with a chemical stripper and worried about you know the the after effects of a harsh chemical treatment. There's none of that in getting the vinyl off. Just a little bit of elbow grease. Well, it's mostly I would think you just set it out in the sun, get it soft, and then start working the edge. Yeah, and like like taking the bumper sticker off of a car it's actually better than a bumper sticker because this is really good vinyl um it'll probably come off in big big sheets and you'll learn how to work it so that you can get bigger sheets every time you try to pull it all right so if you if you pass along your top two or three lessons learned or tips what are those what's the what's the, the the top things that come to mind well the top things would be if you're trying to do this yourself is to uh, do some research, uh, get on YouTube, look at what, especially car wrappers, uh, there's some some really good YouTubes on just basics of wrapping. Get yourself a couple of yards of material and and an object to wrap. So maybe it's your wheel pan. If you can wrap a wheel pan, you can wrap a wing. Play with it. it. It's not permanent. So start stretching it. Start seeing what the limitations of the material are and what the limitations of the heat and your ability and how it looks after you get done. Tear it off. Do it again. Um, you'll learn how to work with the material. And then once you're comfortable with that, then learn, okay, th- there's hygiene. There's um, It's not as stringent as painting, but you do have to have a surface that the material can stick to. So if it's greasy or dirty or anything like that, you got to get that off. Hair, telegraph, everything telegraphs through this, just like paint. I don't know why we had some hair in mics because we didn't even have a dog in the in the hangar. I know, but I can't figure out why. But we had some hair coming up through his his stuff. It's like, where the hell did that come from? You know, it's like, Mike, you get the longest hair here. It's yours. Did, did um, you guys? Did you guys put something on the uh, 
didn't you actually have to brush something on like the where the uh, the line where the rivets are? Maybe we 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 played with that. There's yeah. there's there's adhesive. There's there's material that or it's like a glue that you just kind of dab on, and that helps on the adhesive process. It's like a um, bond enhancer. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of a, a prep uh, contact cement that you get from the the vinyl supplier. You're going to need that, by the way, for all the edges. But uh, we tried that with the uh, the rivets and on mics. We did it and it worked. On mine, I didn't do it and it still I didn't need it. So um, it, the problem with projections like rivets is it tents. They call it tenting where it attaches at the top and it doesn't attach all the way around. Uh, what we found is a little heat or a little sun, it'll get it to attach all the way around. The other idea is don't think this is shrink wrap. It's not shrink, it's stretch wrap. As you're moving the material, it's a three-dimensional thing of stretching something around a object. And when you get that mentality everything kind of fits in on what the limitations of the material are. Uh, you know, people think you're just going to put it over this and you're just going to heat it and it's going to shrink down to it. No, it doesn't. It stretches down to it. And that causes wrinkles and tears and uh, unhappy things. Yeah, that's probably the biggest difference when you're talking about like covering a model airplane because it's exactly what you were describing. It's it's shrink. You, you know, you shrink the wrinkles out instead of with the vinyl, stretch them out. You stretch them out, right? And the material will stretch and it will shrink, but it, it shrinks at a different rate than what you think. If you're if you're using the model uh, airplane monocoat type uh, philosophy, it that does not apply because it does not shrink tight, drum tight, like you would think it would. It would actually sag and uh, become un. You'll you'll be pulling it. The other thing is, the other uh, big thing is, uh, you will use at least two th or a third more material than what you're covering. So you throw away a ton, um, especially as you stretch it, you're moving it, you're uh, adjusting, um, you're, you, you need to use a tremendous amount more material than what you're covering. And you got to come to terms with that. You're not going to, if you have a, so many square foot weighing, you're going to need a third more than that to cover it because you're going to have waste. You're going to have six inches hanging off over here and 12 inches over here and just get over that. You're, it's, it's part of the process. And you're going to cut that off and you're going to throw it in the waste bin. Mike, uh, when you think back on, on the process, what, what's the big lesson learned that you want to pass on? Well, it's, it, was, it was an interesting process. Uh, it was not uh, being mine being the first, it was not a fast process. Uh, but by the time, but by the time John got to his, it was very refined. So I think if, if, if I was like second or third in line, I think it would be like a weekend deal. You know what I mean? Uh, but it, it would, it drug out over a few, a couple of weeks, I think. Uh, I think it took was, us, uh, it took us a full day to do one of Mike, Mike's wings. Yeah. It took 45 minutes to do mine. Yes. That's how so, much of a learning curve there is. So, uh, I mean, uh, it was fun to watch. I enjoyed it. I think, you know, plus the, it was a lot more uh, reasonable than, than I didn't want to spend five, $6,000 for a paint job, you know, or I didn't want to polish like uh, a lot of guys do because uh, I'm not I'm too lazy for that. But uh, so I thought this was just right down my alley. So this is what I. These guys gave me the opportunity, and I jumped at it, you know, so. Gary, uh, your plane is still bare. Um, are you thinking maybe vinyl for the for the new project? No, I think I'm going to go a little bit more traditional with the paint. I think a, a paint job looks really nice. And I, I don't have any problem with people that want to paint. Um, the only thing I like about mine is it's so durable on care and feeding and um, – it, it's kind of breaking edge, so I like it. I might be pulling my uh, mine off and turning it into a red airplane pretty soon because I like that new Sonics uh, B model red. 
Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, Isaac is planning on doing uh, vinyl on his. He wants to do it kind of a white with an orange uh, orange trim, orange leading edges, stuff like that. So he's uh, that's what he's that's what he's planning on doing now. So that'll be interesting. He might be calling you up for some advice here next year. All right. All right. Well, um, any uh, any final thoughts on on this, or does that pretty much do it? That's pretty much done it. I mean, we were trying to get in the business of it, and you know, we knew that. Well, we we thought maybe there might be a market for it, but obviously there isn't. Um, but uh, I encourage anybody who wants to try to do it to you know give me a contact. I'll uh, I'll help you out. Um, you uh, make it an incentive to come out. I'll help. I'll help you wrap. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, um, I guess uh, I only got just kind of one one closing announcement, and um, and that's that we've been working for the podcast. We've been working on lining up people to talk about some of these other engine options, and uh, we we have had some people who have experience with Corvairs and and Viking and UL Power and things like that. Um, but we really need people out there that are that are flying those engines that they have direct firsthand experience that can talk the details we really need them to kind of step up and and uh, and volunteer to tackle some of these topics um, there's been a lot of work behind the scenes but we're still just not quite not quite ready to do that so if anybody out there has one of those other engines um, send me an email let's uh, let's get it done let's get you on the schedule and tell everybody about how your your engine installation went the uh, the challenges of of creating a new um, firewall forward for it, um, and let's uh, let's share some of those those uh, lessons that you guys have learned. So um, very eager to hear about th- these other engines. So send me an email. Let's let's get it done. All right, guys. Well, with with that, I think that pretty well takes us done uh, on this episode. Um, as always, uh, you can find the show notes for this episode at sonicsflight.com slash three six. You can visit us on the web at sonicsflight.com, or you can subscribe to it using your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcast, iTunes, Google Play, whatever, uh, or just come to the website and listen to it on there. And then we really want to hear your feedback and your topics. And if there's something on your mind, and especially if you think you want to be a guest, send us an email to that feedback email address and we'll get you into the rotation. John, Gary, Mike, uh, always good to talk to you guys and catch up a little bit. And now that the good weather is here, I think it's time to get out and enjoy some good flying. Yeah. Okay. Here, 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 here. <laughs> we plan on it. All right, guys. We'll see you soon. All right. You guys have a good evening. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Hey, stay out of trouble, man. Bye. Thanks for having me. See ya. The views and opinions expressed on the Sonic Flight podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of any individual, company, or organization mentioned on this program. Nothing presented on this podcast should be construed to be the official position or recommendation of anyone not directly associated with Sonic's Flight. Anything that sounds like advice should be carefully considered before being implemented. Remember, you are the pilot in command. Can I talk about warranty work or no? No, you cannot talk about warranty work because I don't do it. Your your warranty guy doesn't want to do it. You, you you were offered the option to buy an all inclusive extended warranty and you turned it down. So that's that's, that's it. right. That's right. <laughs>